Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Ooh, yeah. Mm. Here we go. Mixed martial arts. Mixed martial arts. UFC Vegas 55 preview show starts now! <laughs> it sure does. I never know how to sort of come out of those intros because there's just so much energy, so much hype for UFC Vegas 55. A pivotal Bantamweight matchup is on the top of the card. Holly Holm looks to perhaps get herself into yet another UFC title fight. Standing in her way is a woman looking for her first opportunity at a UFC title, Ketlin Vieira. That will close the show at a, at a pretty decent hour, if we're being honest. I am Mike Heck. Thank you for joining us for the UFC Vegas 55 preview show. I am Mike Heck. We got AK Lee, the Prince of Positivity, in the house. Internet fixed. He's ready to go. And the king of hot takes, Mr. Gray Area himself, Jed Bashu, who just has so many more takes, I'm sure. He's just I got a, you're running I got out a take of for you right now, Mike. I got a take what? for you. AK's internet mysteriously vanished specifically during the hours of the UFC weigh-in. So instead, I had to do the UFC weigh-in. Conveniently timed is all I'm saying. Convenient outage. Oh, it's actually back. My internet wasn't broken at all. My bad. Just saying. I gave now, you I gave you the privilege of getting to cover. I never miss a weigh-in. I love weigh-ins. I, was, I, have, I experienced the worst FOMO I've ever experienced in my life. I was messaging Jed constantly. Oh, what happened? Oh, did anyone come in? I'm like, just, I'm like, just wait, just Actually, wait. Just wait. I, was like, I was like, I'll have my internet fixed. Uh, 20 minutes, 20 minutes tops. I swear I'll be back. I, had, I, I ran out, got a new modem. It turned out I, I talked to two different IT guys. The first one, God bless him, did his best to help me. But the second guy just told me, oh. It's an outage in your area. And I'm like, what the? Why did I go to us at the first? <sighs> and I missed weigh-ins. Two sweet, sweet hours of weigh-ins. Holly Holm, Kellen Vieta. Like 90 minutes. Michelle Pajera, Parker Porter. I missed it. I missed it. Melissa Jed comes through. Wrote Thanks, a Jared. terrific article. Went through and, and made it happen. So 
Let's talk, AK. I want to start with you because even though you missed weigh-ins, I'm sure you have some sort of level of excitement for this card. We have 11 fights. We have a main event with some stakes. We have a co-main event. I think this is a co-main event. Santiago Ponzinibbio versus Michelle Pajeda. This is not a second-to-last fight. Yeah, we have a 4 p.m. Sure. prelim, and we have a 7 p.m. main card. So what's the gymnastics scale here? All things considered, time of event, number of fights, main event with some stakes, co-main oh. event that's actually a co-main event. I mean, I can't go that high because I've been pretty generous. I think last guy said, what, like 7.5? I was like, so can I really put it that much higher than the Blakovic's Rakic card? Because like, I kind of thought that card looked good. I think this card on paper, even I know we do want to take into account the the um, time. Yeah, the t- time is convenient. We want to take into account that Michelle Pajeda is fighting. And oddly that this fight has you know much like last week's main event does have kind of direct title implications as much as uh people don't want to hear that i think i have to stay in the same range i think i have to stay in the same range just looking at the card as a whole um i do like a lot of these matchups but more from like a they you know evenly evenly match fighters thing than i necessarily expect these to turn to bangers i would give it a higher rate i'll say this i'll go 7.5 again ish i would give it a higher rating if Parker Porter and Jelton Almeida should be on the main card. We'll talk about that more later, I'm sure. But that is a that is a pre tra- main event, tra- baby. It's not, it's not even. It's not even. Yes, it is. It is not. It is on Wiki. It is not. It is not on Joseph Hol- Joseph Holmes. Yep. Amadovsky is the uh, Joseph Holmes. The Alan Amadovsky. Oh, that's is the that's I mean, it's, very stupid. I don't Wikipedia use this word. <laughs> I don't use this word lightly. This is a tragedy. This is a tragedy. <laughs> this fight is not being featured. <laughs> Ridiculous. I agree. I agree. Paca Porta, Jelton Almeida, something fun and probably hilarious might happen in that fight one way or the other. But what's your excitement level, Jed? I know you and I, we look at these fight night cards. They're just, they can be fun, but the time of day actually means a lot to me with these cards. And the number of fights certainly means a lot to me. And I feel like we're hitting the sweet spot all the way around here. Plus we have stakes in the main event. We have a co-main event. And there are some fun little, uh, little nibbles in there for some fun competitive fights this is a perfect like fight throwaway fight night card right throwing saying throwaway makes it sound disrespectful but like it is what it is the ufc has to get to 42 events a year to cash that big fat check from espn so not every event is going to be a banger not every event is going to be a pay-per-view and a lot of the fight night cards are just space fillers and that's okay this is like the idyllic view of how to do this as far as i'm concerned 11 fights, that is a tight number. 10 is better, but 11 is fine. Firing at 4 and 7, we're going to be done with this thing by 10, so we don't have to stay up until 2 a.m. to watch Alexander Rakic break his own knee and just leave us very unsatisfied and with a lack of sleep on a Saturday night. Uh, and yeah, like you said, I think I'm, I'm against AK here. I think this card is much better on paper than last week's. I thought last week's card had some... Maybe a little bit better names in spots, but I thought looking at that on paper, there are a lot of opportunities for bad, like not great or not fun, not exciting fights, even if they're competitive or well-matched. Whereas this one, I think we're going to get some some good fights, some solid fights. I think we're going to get a lot more finishes on this card. Um, a lot of fights that line up to have more exciting outcomes. And, you know, we do get stuff like like Paca Porta and Jailton Almeida, which... <laughs> 
prop this probably isn't true, but just off the top of my head, this is a first ballot body beautiful all stars thing. The the difference in the two physiques of these gentlemen, I'm not sure we've seen this broad a difference in quite some time. So that's always exciting, and I'm here for it. Um, so yeah, I think this is great. I'd give this a rock solid 82. And if it if it shows out, we could be looking at a, a high B plus card here. I like the 82 number. I think that makes perfect sense. And what's funny about Pacaporta and Jelton Almeida is one guy is chiseled out of stone, the other not so chiseled out of stone, but the guy not so chiseled out of stone might actually have a better gas tank than the guy chiseled out of stone. So if that fight gets out of the first round, it should be really fun. And we'll probably talk about that a little bit later on. But AK, let's talk about this main event. Holly Holm, she has won two in a row. She beat Raquel Pennington, not a fight that we're going to go back and watch anytime soon. Then she bounces back against Irini Aldana in October of 2020, and she looked fantastic. That was one of the best performances start to finish of her entire career. Beats Irini Aldana, and she's been out ever since. It's her first fight since October 2020. I believe this is the longest actual layoff of her career, and she takes on Ketlin Vieira, who's coming off the big win over Misha Tate. And the UFC is sort of presenting her as this sort of legend killer, this this vet dominator on her way to a title shot. So you have to believe, because every time Holly Holm fights, this is in the discussion. So if Holly Holm wins, you have to believe she's probably knocking on the door of a title shot. If Juliana Pena beats Amanda Nunes a second time, there's a very good chance Holly Holm gets that shot. Does Caitlin Vieira have that same fate, so to speak? If she goes out there and beats Holly Holm and pulls off this upset, is she fighting for the belt next, or does she still have enough to get another win or two? Yeah, and and Phenomena has the benefit of she would also be a fresh matchup for Nunez if, if Nunez should regain the title. I think in all likelihood, if um, Nunez regained it, they'll probably just want to try and do an immediate trilogy. Just do, you know, just bang, 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 three Nunez Pena fights in a row. Just just do it. So that's probably not great for Vera or Holm, but I think Vera has a little bit of the edge just because she hasn't already lost to Nunez. Uh, Nunez's fight with Holm, uh, it was at 140. That's a, that was a featherweight title fight, I believe, right? So I understand it, like, you know, they could sell it as, oh, it's different. It's 135. But that's something you could always kind of revisit down the road or not at all. It's just not a rematch. I don't, I feel like people are want to see at 145 or at 135. So, uh, so if Nunes wins, that's good for Veda. And if, of course, if Veda beats Holly home, you can probably assume, um, it's just still be one away. Cause then they'll do the Nunes Pena rematch. So in a way, home is closer, uh, especially if Pena wins, then it's just, then you can just write in, you can just write in home as the next challenger. And the scary thing is, as much as we kind of roll our eyes sometimes, or at least fans do, at like, oh my gosh, Holly Holm getting another title shot. Uh, this time, it would be like more deserved than ever. Because it's true. It's true. In the past, she has been like, Holly Holm loses a title opportunity, beats one person, uh, a top five person in her division usually, and then gets another title shot, loses again, fight, fights another person, gets a title shot. This time, she's had to fight her way up the hard way. Uh, Raquel Pankton, Irina Aldana, both in the top 10. And then Ketlin Barrett would be another top 10. So you knock off three top 10 people. Not, not just in any top other 10, debate. AK. AK, that's numbers three, four, and whatever Vieira is. I think six in sure. the UFC's rankings. Sure. That happens in any other division. People would be like, oh, you have to give the first to tell the shot. Holly Holm, I tell you, a lot, I don't think she could knock Ketlin Vieira out tonight. And I don't think people would be like, oh, I need to see Holly compete for another title. It's kind of weird like that. And also, let's be honest, 
the top 10 at bantamweight does not mean the same thing as top 10 at lightweight, top 10 at featherweight, top 10 at bantamweight, et cetera, et cetera. So it is just a number. It doesn't mean the same thing. Um, but it is kind of funny that if she did get a title shot, if she did get a big win, a title shot, this would be the most justified one in a while. Jed, Kaylin Vieira, like we said, she's coming off this win over Misha Tate. And to me, it was one of those fights where, I mean, I thought it was a blowout. It wasn't like the most fun fight in the world watch, but I thought Vieira won at least four rounds, if not all five rounds in that fight. She looked good. Misha's obviously dropping down to 125, but she's getting this opportunity to fight a Holly Holm. And the betting lines are interesting here. You are our resident gambling enthusiast, Jed Mishu. You do have the podcast, No Bets Barred. Right now, Holly Holm is a pretty sizable favorite. Minus 250, the comeback on... Caitlin Vieira is plus 200. Does that plus 200 stand out to you, Jed? Is that something you're taking a look at? Is there something about the stylistic sort of piece to this puzzle that actually makes Caitlin Vieira a pretty live dog here? I'm betting her. Um, It's a bet that I kind of anticipate losing, but I still just think that it's the right bet on this fight because I have a lot of questions about Holly Holm, like frankly. I think stylistically... Holly Holm is Holly Holm, and this probably plays pretty well into what she wants to do. Kevin Vieira is not like a tremendous takedown artist, which means this will be contested on the feet. Holly Holm is going to be able to set her range and really just soak up a lot of minutes in the clinch, which is a thing that she's decided she wants to do a lot, um, which I guess is effective, but man, it's hard to watch. Uh, but, you know, there are a couple of things for Vieira here. But for me, uh, I think a lot of people, when they fight Holly Holm, they just back up when she does those kind of blitzing runs that she takes. Vieira is content to sit down and throw counters, and I think that's a much more effective way to try and fight Holly Holm than to just run away when she does offense and not be able to get past her footwork on your own offensive turns. But I just, I don't know. I don't feel like you should be a minus two, 250 favorite. If you're 40 years old, coming off the longest layoff in your career, you know, eight over 18 months out of the cage and you were off that long because you had a knee injury and the hydronephrosis, which I still don't understand, but it sounds bad. So like, it's probably not a good thing to, to have had. And certainly for a 40 year old person to still be competing at the very upper echelons of, a, of elite combat sports, anytime the word nephrosis gets involved, I'm wary. So we add in all those factors and this also just feels like kind of like the story the UFC is pitching. I won't be shocked if Holly Holm comes in and wins this. I also won't be at all shocked if this is somehow the port where Caitlin Vieira at 30 years old is ascending in this division. And now she's knocked off two former champions in a row. Let's get her into a title fight because this is, that's sort of how narratives work in this, in this sport. Like we've seen this story time and again. So I, I think she's a very live dog. Is it the price tag that kind of makes you feel that yeah. way? Because I feel price like tag. this could be lined a little bit. Yeah, it could be lined a little bit closer than this. So I feel like you're getting a lot of value with Fiera at plus 200. Yeah, like I would still have Holly Holm as a favorite, but I would have her at like a minus 160, maybe minus 180 if you're feeling that way, just, just because of the red flags and the question marks. I do think this fight favors her, and I won't at all be surprised if Holly Holm wins, but that price is just way bigger than I think it should be. Now, Jed has questions about Holly Holm, AK. The layoff, certainly, even though she's been a combat athlete for a long time, 
yes, she is not your typical 40-year-old. She is in tremendous condition. She does not she hasn't been sitting on the couch for 18 months, but father time and sometimes mother time, they they're always undefeated. Time beats you every single time. How much does this layoff concern you in terms of breaking this fight down? Does this does this favor Vieira in your eyes because of the length of time that she hasn't competed? Or do you feel like it's more of a Dominic Cruz mentality? No such thing as ring rust. Holly Holmes, a veteran. She'll fight right through this layoff. Uh, yes, I do think that she can fight through it. But also, Father Time is undefeated. And I think while mentally, I think she might be in a great place. Physically, she's probably as good as she can be, like you said, at age 40, given uh, how much wear and tear she has from MMA, from pro boxing. And I I just don't know if uh, all her tools can be brought to bear anymore at the level that they were when she was in her prime. Again, anyone who, who has seen Holly fight and sees her at the weigh-ins and sees her, I don't know what, keeps up with on Instagram, she looks she looks incredible. You know, she, she's in great shape. She's, a, she's a, in top performance. But 40 is 40. Um, 40 is 40, and, and that's 10 years older than her opponent. That's a big difference. So I'm not saying it's going to be an easy fight for Kellen Vieta at all, uh, but I, I do wonder if we are past the point where Holly's style can sort of be be effective. As it is. Again, she did, she looked great in her last fight, no question. Was that maybe a uh, positive stylistic matchup for her? I would say so. I think Vieta is going to be a little bit trickier. Um, even, even on the feet, I think Vieta brings something, something different. So I... I don't know if we're giving our official picks now, but I'm sort of hinting at where I'm going. I do think age is a huge, huge, huge factor. Uh, happy to be proven wrong. Listen, we're, we're in an age where uh, Glover Teixeira is the uh, UFC light heavyweight champion. So happy to be proven wrong. But would not surprise me if the story we are talking about on Sunday and the rest of the week is something to the effect of Holly Holmes Prime has passed on and you know how many fights does she have left. All right. Well, I mean, listen – you put it out there, so let's just get to the picks here. You're going. Are you going with the underdog here, AK? I'm going with the underdog. I'll say by uh, decision, convincing decision too, like competitive fight, but one that by the end we would be like, yes, Ketlin Vieira won this fight. Uh, she 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 mixed the martial arts. She won the fight, and uh, she it, she is in line to get a title shot if uh, certain things, uh, certain dominoes fall a certain way over the next uh, few months. Jed, you see value in Ketlin Vieira from a betting perspective, but. All things even in our official MMA fighting team picks here. Are you picking Vieira to win there as well, or is this a Holly Holm win for you based on even money, all that stuff? I'm going to pick Kelly Vieira. Um, I think that's wrong. I think I'm supposed to pick Holly Holm. I think Holly Holm is the one who's (laughs) supposed to win this fight, but I don't know. I put money on her. It just sort of feels like the right thing to do, and... You know, hell, I have been just getting worked for the last three weeks, picking against old people, being like, Father Time is going to, Yo Romero's 50, surely he's going to lose. And Fr- Francisco Tr- Masaranduba is 800 years old, surely he's going to lose. And they keep not losing. So one of them's got to hit, right? At some point, Father Time has to rear his head. So might as well be this one. Give me Ketlin Vieira by decision. Probably not... Um, uh, what AK was saying, though, I feel like it's going to be a really close fight. So I'm I'm going to go with the favorite here. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the old Chakaroo, but I have really no evidence to back this up. But when I just think about this fight, the one constant that pops into my brain is that Holly Holm is going to kick Kitlin Vieira in the face at some point in this fight and knock her out. It could be. I don't think it's going to be early. I think maybe. 
third round, maybe towards the end. But I feel like Vieira is susceptible to getting kicked in the face, <laughs> like getting a really high sneaky head kick from Holly Holm. And I kind of see that coming here. So my official pick will be Holly Holm, third round TKO. I think she gets a finish and then probably gets a title shot. Maybe I'm reaching. Maybe I'm reaching, but I don't know. I just I feel like there's there's openings there for that for that head kick to land, especially the further this fight goes. But we'll see. Hopefully I'm right and we have a lot to talk about at the end. Go ahead, AK. Well, Mike, there is a poll. I have to do a poll. And if that scenario should unfold, if we if we get a Holly Holm head kick KO, or I phrased it uh, impressive win, should Holly Holm get another title shot? 75% yes. yes so far. 75% yes. So I don't know. Because there's maybe no my, one else to give it to. It's <laughs> not a great uh, – There's literally no one else to give it to other than Valentina great, Shevchenko. Like Shevchenko is the only decision. person who you could – the two women immediately beneath Holly Holm in the rankings, she recently beat. You cannot jump her. It is It is not a strong division. It is It is the worst division every month. to In the MMA fighting rankings roundup article we do every month – the worst division to write about. They also there's, don't no, fights there's nothing happening. They don't know. There's no activity. Like, every every other division has like hundreds of fights a year. Women's mm-hmm. bantamweight gets like forty at most. Like I, at I think that's most. high. I think that's high. Like I would. I, I'll have to look it up. But that sounds like a lot. That sounds like more. When I, when I did the count two years ago, I think they had like thirty-two, which that was sounds the low. Yeah, the lowest by like. 40 fights or something because division other than women's featherweight which is i mean think about about this they only have what they have 40 something events a year and they don't have a a women's bantamweight fight on every card so it has to be less than 40 unless there's some cards that have multiple women's bantamweight yeah i mean that's even even more rare but like yeah it was some absurdly low number well we at least will have one tomorrow so that's good The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Let's go to the co-main event, and we know this is going to be fun. we got Santiago Ponzinibbio taking on Michelle Pajeda, AK, I know how excited you are to see Michelle Pajeda back in there. We're the opponent in Santiago Ponce de Bio. This one has fireworks written all over it. I feel like they can't let us down here. Even though I'm putting this out to the ether, maybe I'm jinxing it. I just feel like I can't jinx this fight. I feel like the fight's going to be fun, and no matter how it goes. Take it so, back. A- Take it back. AK, AK, describe this fight in one word, and then wax poetically on how you feel about it. Oh, you're not going to like it, because I think this fight is important. Not a sexy word, Ooh. no. Not a sexy word, but I think it's important. I also don't agree that this is a guaranteed uh, banger. I actually do not agree with that. I think both guys are fairly technical, especially the the kinder, gentler uh, Demolidor and uh, Andre Fialio. God bless him. Brought the you know brought the beast out of him because that's what Andre Fialio does now. I don't think that that guy is now you know one of the most exciting. I think ten most exciting guys in the UFC across all divisions because 
if you're not ready to stand and like fire with him, he's going to just smoke you, which he's done to a couple of guys already. Or he's going to bring you into like, you know, this firefight, which he, uh, which he did with uh, Michelle Pajeda and brought out the best in him. So uh, I don't know, but I don't know if we see that Pajeda against Santiago Ponzinibbio. And I don't know if Ponzinibbio, if that's what he would want to do against a guy who, again, can be a little bit unpredictable. So I actually think it'll be a good fight, but, more, you know, pretty technical, uh, which I don't think is a bad thing. But I don't know if it's going to be necessarily the surefire like fight of the night winner. Uh, I saw, I want to see a comment, T-Ball Paul. Asking is the co-main event. You you, t- you, you mentioned this beginning of the the uh, the uh, preview, Mike. That yes, this is a co-main event. T. Well, Paul is asking, is it a second? Is it a co-main event or the second to last fight of the night? There it is on the screen for the uh, for the viewers. Uh, or is it a bona fide zero implication co-main with a top knot versus an ex top knot? Uh, it is all those things, but it is a co-main event. You know, I kind of said zero the rule. implication. Uh, it's true. You're right. You know, I mean, I think more long term. I don't think I. I think both guys, no matter if, what happens, is at if least. Bahia, like if Bahia wins, he's he's getting I, in the UFC's top fifteen. He's probably he getting is. into ours. But he's not. He's not near a title shot, though. He's getting the top fifteen, but he's still like two fights away. And yeah. unless, unless the unless guy, he gets the guy midway up the ladder isn't near the top of the ladder either. I, but he's going up the ladder. Oh. That that has implications <laughs> that are relevant. It's uh, maybe zero is strong, but I see where I see where T Ball Paul zeros from, so. is wrong. Zeros is T Ball Paul. Thank you, thank you for the comment. Uh, yes, listen. The rule I try, you know, I try to set down is it should be a common event if it's someone if it involves at least one fighter who is ranked, preferably in the MMA fighting global rankings. Uh, if it involves, of course, obvious title implications. If it involves. Um, uh, you know, a, a veteran name, veterans, former title challengers, you know, guys who aren't ranked anymore, but who have fought for a title before this case, it doesn't have any of those things, but it has uh, Michelle Pajeda and he rules. And that's the other rule that I haven't mentioned that if you're a fighter and you rule and you're in the second last fight of the night, you automatically, you make it a co-main event. So Michelle Pajeda rules. So under the rules, under the fighters rule, rules rule, uh, this is a co-main event. Specifically because of a demolidor, but uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio, a great opponent for him as well. So no taking anything from that. And a guy who was ranked for a while before, um, you know, inactivity and so a couple of losses knocked him out of there. So if Michelle Pajeda was in a co-main event with a debuting fighter who was like eleven and eleven that no one's ever heard of. Is it still a co-main event? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Even more so. Even more so because you know he's going to style on that dude. <laughs> that's that's actually a really good point. AK feels like this will be a more technical fight, Jed and. I don't think we can compare Michelle Pajeda to like a, a Johnny Walker. I feel like some people do that. Like he used to be, some people feel like he was super exciting and now he's just not exciting at all. I don't necessarily think that's the case. He's definitely not in the Johnny Walker territory because we've seen the last couple of Johnny Walker fights. He's but winning. Yes, and Michelle Pajeda is winning. So do you feel like, because a lot of people, if you go on Twitter, they saw this fight now, it's like, oh my God, this is going to be insane. And maybe this isn't going to be an all-out slugfest. We're not going to get Condit Lawler in here, but is this still going to be really fun? Is this Does this have a real chance to be more fun than AK thinks it might be? It has a real chance, uh, but I, like him, do not think this is a certified banger. I think there is, I think it is 50-50 whether this is going to be anarchy and awesome or i struggle to call it technical because i don't think i've ever thought of the word technical when talking about michelle Bahia. um but you know a more a more measured fight because and i think frankly a lot of that will depend entirely on santiago ponzinibbio um because ponzinibbio has been sparked out by a huge athletic dude before and Li Zhang Ling. And maybe he's coming to into this 
thinking, well, Bea is a huge athletic dude and can hit really hard. And so I need to approach this much more tactically. I need to try and take this into a later rounds. I need to try and work takedowns. You know, it will depend on what he wants. If they both, because Santiago Ponzinibbio is a really fun fighter. If they both decide they're going to come go out on the shield and see what happens, this fight's going to be awesome. But I sort of think we are going to get a little more measured. Maybe once the fist starts flying, things will change. And, you know, both men will sort of revert to who they want to be at heart. But I I think it is more likely that we get a more calculated, measured fight than just an all-out scrap. Because, sadly, that's not who Michelle Bahia is anymore. And that sucks because he was way more fun when he was a lunatic. Um, and, yeah, this is probably better for his fight career. But his last four opponents, or his last three, because Imadiev doesn't matter. Chaos Williams, Nico Price, and Andre Fialho. Andre Fialho, that fight ruled, um, but the other two were not... I mean, they were fine, but that that should be a three-fight, fight-of-the-night win streak for him based on who he was before he kind of took the L's and sort of reset his career. He's just not that dude who's going to go out and just throw caution to the wind anymore. And he'll throw in a backflip guard pass that's illegal or whatever but he's not going to just exclusively do hurricane ranas and just like <laughs> absolute wild man shit in there so i mean i hope it happens because i miss the old the old Bahia, but i think we're probably going to get a little bit more of a tactical fight yeah i was gonna say jed i think that's why our, i think you and i like because we were following him a, a little miss like, fist days he was the man we were following he was him in like a, six miss fists yeah, a little bit before he came to the UFC. And like, so we know what like crazy, crazy Michelle Pajeda looks like. And crazy, Back crazy Michelle Pajeda. Like people understand, crazy, crazy Michelle Pajeda was not necessarily a winning fighter. Like that's the thing about this guy is he he, he had, if you look at his record for UFC, it's not that, it's 22, he, 22 and nine entering the UFC. So it's not like, and, and his winning streak now, his four fight win streak, this is his longest win streak in seven years. So he was never about like what he is now, like kind of finding that consistency and winning fights. He was never about that. Like that's why the version you're seeing now, like good for him. You want to win fights, get that extra paycheck and God willing, get the tele shot someday. But the, like when we, when we talk, when Jed and I talk about like the crazy, 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 but had a man, like, yeah, just look at his old YouTube clips. He didn't give a F about winning fights. He just, he, he won by just being himself. He didn't care. If it goes to a decision, he loses. What does that even mean to him? It means nothing. <laughs> he was a so, man, dude. That, yeah. He had so many highlights in Misfits. <laughs> so they're so and they're so dumb. <laughs> so the backflip guard pass that turned into a stomp, or maybe it was a front flip stomp. I don't know. It was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in a cage fight. <laughs> He's insane. He ruled. And still well, does, maybe. just in a different way. In a different way. He still <laughs> yeah. rules. I mean, it's still fun. Look, the Fialho fight was incredibly fun. Do not get me mistaken on that at all. But like, it really struck me when I went back and looked through. I was like, he fought Chaos Williams, and I don't remember that fight. Why don't I remember him fighting Chaos Williams? That should have been insane. And instead, it was just like, yeah, it was a fight. He fought him. He didn't do dumb stuff the whole time. It was whatever. Nico Price was fun. Not as fun as everybody thought it was going to be, but it was Zing. still fun. Nico Price was fun, but that should have been a fight of the year. On paper, that is a fight of the year, and it didn't even win fight of the night. Craziness. Uh, right now, the betting lines, according to our friends at DraftKings, Michelle Pajera, minus 140 favorite comeback on Santiago Ponzinibbio is plus 120. AK, your pick in this co-main events nice co-main events i wow. are you going michelle fajeta are you going against him I, is that possible 
Ah, boy. Like, it is kind of crazy. We said four-fight win streak. He is obviously winning the Diego Sanchez fight, too. So, like, this should be... Oh, like, yeah. The should, D- should be right? a five-fight win streak. He could sure. theoretically be a... Like this could so this could theoretically be six in a row. Like that sounds crazy to me. Like because I did always kind of view him as an oddity, a very talented oddity, but a bit of an oddity. So for him to win six fights, I don't care who it is, if it's Imadayev, Kess Williams, whatever. Um, and for this to good get good names, these are good four. names. Who, you, who well, Chaos. one of whom, you, one of whom, you, who you were saying didn't even matter like two minutes ago. <laughs> well, no, Imadayev doesn't matter, but Chaos Williams, Nico Price, like um, Fialho, those are like very competent top 20, 30 ish fighters. Yeah, yeah. And so it's good competition. But now this is, again, this is a legitimate guy who was ranked in the top 15 for a while. I think made the UFC's top 10 before we did. I think when we before we did uh, our own rankings, pretty sure he was in the UFC's uh, right right around the top I think, 10. I, I think, think he I, was 7. Yeah, the Neil Magny KO really like put him up yep. there. They put him um, in 7. For sure. And, and well-deserved. And uh, that guy is still there. You know, he's a bit up there in age now. I think he's in 35. I think he's in his, his age 35 year. Again, a lot of mileage. You know, anytime we talk about fighters, there's their actual age, and then, then there's their fighter age. But man, I still think there's enough there. I think skill wise, I think he's such a skilled fighter. I think I'll give him a little bit of a power advantage too. I am gonna go. I don't believe in reverse jinxing guys. So that's not what I'm doing. I, I do think Ponzinibbio will win by decision. Oh, let's go decision. Okay, I mean, I thought you were setting us up for something big there. The way you, I chickened up, chickened up, big time. Okay, he's going Ponzinibbio by decision. He's going with the the upset decision here. Jed, are you with AK once again here? You're with them on the the main event. Or are you with them on the co-main event? Uh, I am. I'm taking Santiago Ponzinibbio. Um, I think this is a coin flip fight. Like, I think it's going to end by stoppage. Both men been knocked out before. I think both men really have an opportunity to get knocked out here again. Because uh, they both hit really hard, and I think I agree. I think Ponzi Ponzi scheme probably hits a little bit harder, but I think he's got a little bit worse of a chin, um, especially getting up there in age. So, but I think he is a more technically sound fighter uh, than Michelle Pahe is, and then that's why I'm going to pick him to win because he opened as the favorite. I am a little surprised how much money has clearly come in on Pahe because I think Santiago opened at like minus one fifty, and so to have that essentially bet bet reversed is pretty substantial. So a so, um, little shocked by that, but I'm taking the underdog. Gives me Ponzi scheme. KO round two. Man, do I have to go against you guys again? Yeah, I guess I will. I'll go Michelle Bahada. I, I haven't it. figured out how yet, but I think Michelle Bahada is going to win. I just, I think he's going to have the size advantage here. Maybe Ponzi Nibia is a little more technical, but I think, I think we might see not the full crazy Michelle Bahada. But I think we might see glimpses of the old crazy Michelle Pajada. Just a just 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 well, a which I think he's gonna find some sort of which crazy ground. parts, which crazy parts? Because that's the other thing. Because if he decides he's gonna do three really wild things, but like if those things are just like jumping knees or like a spinning tornado kick, cool. But if it's something dumb like a backflip guard pass, like that's that's the kind of crazy that gets you into trouble. So you got you got to gauge that. What crazy is coming out, Mike? Okay, so I like the some sort of spinning tornado kick. I like a flying knee. I think there'll be multiple flying knee attempts. And the other crazy thing that we really haven't seen in a while is Michel Pajeda is going to take 28 minutes to get to the cage. He's going to milk that <laughs> walkout like he did against Tristan Connolly. He's going to take 20, longer 
than the main event to get inside the cage. So that's it's just going to be we're going to hear Bohemian Rhapsody eight times before he actually gets into the cage. Remind me, did milking the walkout work against Tristan Connolly? No, but he not. also missed Wade. Is a different guy, I know, but he was a he's different, take he was a more fun guy. Time. He was a more fun guy. Say? Glimpses, glimpses, I, not I, the full board, but glimpses. I need to see him do the inverted guard that we saw in that clip that went viral this week. I don't know, Jed, you saw that, right? The, the guy yeah. just like turned. He's like butt, butt scooting, but with his head at like guys. Yeah. It's, it's in. It, you, I'm sure people saw it on Twitter. It, it, it's in Miss. I put it at the end of Miss Fist this week. It's like. I need Michelle Pahedda because I think Michelle Pahedda could do it right. He would turn I mean, that into something special. Could. It's dangerous. <laughs> I don't know yeah, what because I don't know where that is going. But. <laughs> yeah, but neither do does better. your opponent. Neither does the opponent. Exactly. How's the he doesn't know how to react because he might be playing into your hands. Never let him know your next move. Maybe Ponzinibbio will have some crazy tricks up his sleeve. Who knows? Maybe sure. this maybe this is going to be that certified banger. Flying people think. What will be what will be certainly a certified banger is Chidi and Chiguani versus Dusko Todorovic. I think those two are just going to, oh, yeah. as Jed likes to to say, hammer and tongs, get or get got. It's, yeah. it's probably going to be chucking mitts, baby. Scott, but <laughs> they're going to be chucking mitts. Uh, Pauliana Viana, Tabitha Ricci is a really interesting fight at one fifteen. Eric Anders versus oh, Jungle right. Park. Did By the know, way, good. Did you know Todorovic has Were a win about, over, like a not long win over Michelle Pereira? Sure, it's Serbian Fighting Championships. He yeah, knocks him out right first before Pereira joined in the UFC. Did you ever watch that mm-hmm. fight? It's weird. I think I saw the highlight. Yeah, yeah. it's weird. He just he kind of probably. he just kind of gets punched and dies. Like it doesn't look <laughs> like it's the world's greatest punch, but it's like it. I'm done. <laughs> Also on the main card, the openers, Eric Anders versus Jung Young Park. And I did listen to the latest episode of No Bets Barred. And Jed, for the gambling enthusiasts out there, you had a very interesting <laughs> stat about this fight, did you not? About uh, I, betting on Eric Anders or, and or Jung Young Park? Sure. Eric Anders has never cashed an underdog bet Oof. in his entire career. I think he has like four of opportunities to or something like that. I don't remember exactly what it is, but... Because I was mildly interested in betting him, and then I was like, "Ah, oh, no, never mind. I'm just going to pass. Don't need to be involved in this fight." And Eric Anders, a plus one sixty underdog in this fight. So bet on Eric Anders uh, if you must, but might not be might not be wise according to the statistics. Before we get to the peeps, AK under the radar, low key banger fight fighter storyline what's not getting talked about enough that has you excited because i see that smile on your face why why is park reporter versus jaleson almeida not on the main card or the featured prelim this is insane uh i i personally hate hate this fight for jaleson almeida i understand he wanted to he, he was booked to fight uh, maxim grishin he you know he's in he's done his training whatever he just wants to fight anyone they threw a heavyweight in his direction. He's like, screw it, heavyweight, great. I'm, guess what? I'm removing the weight cut from my schedule now. I can just you know, focus on other things, training, uh, eat more. Uh, it's fine. It's just, for me, it's such a low, for, like considering how uh, impressive he was in his UFC debut, I think, um, not like Christian's like a big name or anything, but like, he's like a tough, light heavyweight guy. I think beating a tough guy like that in your division was like the next logical move for him. Now he's facing a tough guy outside of his division, and maybe if he runs through him, you know what? People view it the same way as if he beat a light heavyweight. Like, it doesn't matter. Who cares about weight classes anyway, right? But there's a chance that, again, it's just kind of this weird oddity, win or lose. 
and then he runs through him and people kind of roll their eyes like, oh, well, he's supposed to be Parker Porter. Like they don't, you know, they kind of ignore that Parker Porter has had his own success um, lately in the in the octagon. Um, the other possibility is that I'm leaning towards is that he might lose. I think it's, I don't like seeing guys fight, um, especially at heavyweight. I, I, what, what did he, uh, Jay, what did he weigh in at, uh, Jailton? It was like 225. He he okay. basically just did not cut weight. He did not oh, add not, anything. Right. So it's not terrible. It's not terrible. It's it's no. Probably and he looked okay. a chiseled two. He looked good. Whatever. Uh-huh. He looked healthy young man. It's what he. You know looked. what? Though? He looked like a healthy young man. <laughs> but we know we know that all those muscles. We know those muscles can get. You can get real tired you, you, if you if you're they, trying to go go for some. If you t- you know he might get real tired then because listen, woo. I cannot. Get it out of my mind that this could be a Leonardo Santos, Jacare Souza, Adolfo Valleta situation where he gasses himself out going for like some big finish in the first round. And then Parker Porter comes back and either finishes him or 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 uh, wins the decision after just like, you know, kind of wearing this guy down. I had this weird I'm, – I am so strongly feeling a Parker Porter upset. Uh, again, maybe just because I saw those things happen, Leonardo Santos, Adolfo Valleta. Jacare, that like now I just feel like oh it's gonna happen every time to these like super you know super strong like um, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu grapplers, but I'm but I'm I'm not I'm not shying away from it. I think this is a trend. I think this is a trend. I think these guys fall into these things. So I think it'll be four our fourth of the last whatever 12, 14 months. Our fourth like oh my gosh I can't believe this Jiu Jitsu expert lost to this guy and maybe God help us Parker Porter by Rio Naked Choke or something like that. <laughs> Jed, we had a, uh, a caller on heck of a morning this morning who said that he's got Jailton Almeida and like a big parlay piece that he's doing, but he also took a shot on Parker Porter at plus 1400 by decision to sort of hedge in case something goes terribly wrong with this because that's the You're one welcome, he feels buddy. could be an issue. And I believe you did discuss a, a no bets barred. So is Almeida Porter a Porter? You're, uh, you're under the radar Porter? banger here or is there something else? It sticks out. It's not, but I do want to say I also, uh, as as the man who brought that bet to uh, No Bets Bard, and then for my gambling column, I also took that action. I got it at plus sixteen hundred. Care to take a guess at what that line is right now? Plus eleven hundred. Plus oh, eleven hundred. Wow. Yeah, by a considerable You're powerful amount. man. Um, <laughs> just, just Vegas was like, hey, this is very dumb. I'm not sure why Parker Porter is a plus 400 underdog, but decision, which feels like the most likely outcome for him, is this juice. So I'm taking a shot at it, but that's not my low-key banger. Um, though, don't get me wrong. I'm with almost everything AK said. I actually think there's a really good chance that Parker Porter is one of those guys who, it's like Moneyball. We undervalue him because he looks funny, but he's actually just like a really effective fighter, and the way he's mostly been beat has been I mean, Gabriel Gonzaga took him down and tapped him out, but in the UFC, Chris Dog has knocked him out, and I don't think Jailton's doing that. So, and Jailton also does like he takes a lot of bad shots, like he shoots from way outside and just athletes his way through it. That might not work against Parker Porter, who's pretty good and gonna have forty pounds on him. But my Loki banger is, I think there are a lot of choices, but for me, I'm gonna take uh, Omar Morales, uh, Uros Medich, just because I think. I really have liked what I've seen from both of those dudes. Morales is really tough-nosed, uh, puts a good pace down, and Medich has been a get-or-get-got guy. So I think those two guys are just going to come out and and really start scrapping, and it's going to be one of, if not the most fun fights on the card for my money. Yeah, I like 
both of those picks, you know, the Pacaporta, Jelton Almeida fight is a lot of fun. I like the Morales Medich pick, but just to be different, I actually think Jonathan Martinez, Vince Morales is going to be a little bit more competitive than a lot of people feel it's going to be. I feel like Vince Morales, yes, I understand a lot of people when they look at he this fight, they're check, going back. Learn to check kicks. Listen, has he figured out how to do that yet? Sometimes you speak to people, you speak to these fighters and you realize that they were in bad places in their lives and they figured it out and they've made moves to make their overall lives in and out of the cage better. And I feel like Vince Morales, although the wins aren't against top level competition, you could argue, I mean, you could say easily that Jonathan Martinez has fought better competition. I feel like Vince is in a much better place mentally, he's in a much better place physically, he's in a much better place as an athlete. And I still think Jonathan Martinez will probably win a decision here, but I think this fight's going to be a lot more competitive and a lot more fun than it looks on, on paper. So I'm going to go with that one. I think uh, Vince Morales might surprise some people, probably be in a losing effort, but I think Vince Morales can make this fight a lot more interesting than most people think it will be. So fight's gonna let's be go fun. to the beat. Okay. It's going to be super fun. Super fun. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go to Casey, who will be bringing in questions for Mr. the Thirty Twenty Four. There he is. He gets a whole box this week. How about yeah. that? Yeah, I, I, you're not just a little lower circle in the bottom right hand corner of our screens. Esther complained. She's like, I need to see your face more. So I was like, I made it bigger. I get it. She, you she can't, actually didn't you can't say let that. The <laughs> I was gonna say, I suspect since she lives with you, she didn't <laughs> yeah, say she was that. Like, smaller. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's take a few questions here. No problemo. Um, here, oops. Do, 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 do. <clears throat> oh, one moment and me. And don't forget, 4 p.m. Eastern start time for this card. So the People's Pre-Fight Show tomorrow, 3.30 Eastern. I love saying that into a live microphone. Mm-hmm. Uh, happy birthday, AK. It's actually, for real, uh, the Brazilian beast, Guillermo Cruz's birthday. So happy birthday, uh, really, to Guillermo Cruz. Guillermo. G's in the chat, please. G's in the chat for Gui, please. <laughs> Happy birthday to Gui. 20, 20, what is he? 20, 27 years old, something like that. Mm-hmm. God, what is he? He's a shit, man. Right, he's only 27, man. He's got his whole life ahead of him. What? <laughs> he looks, he looks yeah. amazing. T-ball, pa- God, that is like one of the best, one of the best YouTube handles ever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Holly Holm is the early 90s Buffalo Bills, 0-4 in title shots. I think we're forgetting one. <laughs> she actually won. 
Wait, no, no. No, she had four title shots. I mean, but, she had but, a title defense that she lost, but that's I mean that if you're gonna compare it to the win. You can't compare yeah. it to the Bills. No, no, I mean, no. That's, that's it's Ronda Rousey. Come on, it doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, I just um I don't know, just I don't agree with this, but okay. No, it's, just, it's a good joke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did the Bills the Bills they never actually did they, they never they go, won it? They never won it. Yeah, Holly no. won it. Four and four straight. And yeah, four. Four, four straight Super Bowls, by the way, and didn't win one. Is uh, it bet? Casey, oh, you should know this. You you're a Grave Diggers fan. That's yeah. a great Grave Diggers <laughs> Oh no, I was. I I only really know the Buffalo Bills has because I'm from Houston, and when they had that six thousand point comeback, I was in middle school, I think, and that still hurts me. <laughs> but I always I always find this weird how fans hate. I don't know if it's hate, but you know they we. We hate on the Buffalo Bills for making it to the game, the yeah. big game, but losing like as if that's still somehow a bad thing. When you know tw- thirty other teams don't even get to that game, I just think it's yeah. um. I think like Joseph Benavides has kind of got the same critique. You know, it's like oh, you can't win the big one. It's like well, you get yep. to the big one. Like ninety nine point nine percent fighters came and get to the big one. So I don't know. Chris Paul uh, literally made the he literally made the NBA Finals last year. Suddenly he's the biggest loser ever. I'm like, what? Where, where yeah, this going yeah. from? <laughs> I mean, that game was pretty bad, but I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I bet Shaheen's just like crying right now. Yeah, to, come uh, on. Edit, edit, edit that out for later. Yeah, yeah. Edit that he's out. watching. I'm, de- I'm defending Chris Paul. Again. I'm defending Chris. Actually, he probably doesn't want to defend Chris Paul right now. So, <laughs> nah, Chris Paul was hurt, bro. Oh, okay, yeah. Here, here, here comes Shaheen yeah, on Slack be. right now. <laughs> 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 Uh, we'll get off the buffalo let's talk about let's talk about some winners um you know what's interesting about holly holm though yeah see people sleeping on holly she still got it here's what's interesting you have all these fighters you have mar usman you have all these fighters chris cyborg that are calling out all these big name boxers like canelo and and katie taylor and stuff holly holm being interested the in one the one who should do that. Holly Holm is the only one who you could actually put in this discussion, and it's not completely egregious and stupid. So I don't even think it's out. sort of egregious and stupid. It's not like, at it's all. Just, like it's just like totally fair, and she's just hundred percent. Holly Holm's just low key a badass, and nobody ever thinks about that. But like, yeah. and look at who the she, International who Boxing like. Hall of Fame is is not an easy thing to get into, and she is being inducted this year. So. To go to a point I said on a previous show this week, uh, Henry Cejudo, you're just wrong. You're not the greatest combat sports athlete ever. Holly Holm is a better combat sports athlete than you are. Eat it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, 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 look at her losses. These are her losses in her MMA career. Misha Tate is going to be a future UFC Hall of Famer. That, that uh, loss Val- is so tough, too, because she was she should have won that fight. She Or at least been a draw. At least it would have been a draw if she'd survived that, mm-hmm. that round. It would have been a draw, and she would have retained yeah. Um, Valentina Shevchenko, maybe the greatest women's fighter of all time. Uh, G- GDR, if there was, a, I mean, I don't think the UFC, I don't know how the UFC feels about her, but one of the greatest combat sports athletes ever, uh, and also someone who should be in the UFC Hall of Fame. If there that was, was a bad, that was a bad was, decision. It was, it was a bad fight, but I agree, it, it was a bad, bad decision, decision bad fight, and the it, whole it, late punch thing. It was not a bad thing. decision. It was, it was a bad fight. The late punch thing should have been punished. Yeah, that fight is just a bad. But also that fight. We can all agree should not have been for a title. Sure. Yeah, and the, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of bads that went into that fight yeah, already. Just a collection uh, Chris, of garbage. 
Chris Cyborg, that was her fourth loss. Again, one of the greatest of all time. And then Amanda Nunez, her fifth loss, one of the greatest of all time. So I know this is like a BJ. This is not, I shouldn't say BJ Penn's bad example now, but there was a time when people looked like BJ Penn and Randy Couture and be like, oh, look at their records. Like, oh, 16 and 10. Like, is this person really that good? And they're going to say the same thing about Holly Holm. Like, she's going to end up, I don't know, like 15 and 5 now. Maybe she ends her career like like 16 and 8 or something. And people are like, oh, was she really that good? And it's like, yeah, it's it, she is one of the best. I mean, at 135 and 145, she yeah. beat everyone except the best of the best of the best. So, I don't know how much you can drag her name, honestly. I really don't. Yeah. When three um, of your five losses are to like numbers one, two, and four in the all time, like that's pretty, pretty explicable. Yeah. That's yeah. Like, I just want to put this up because I yeah. just, I just kind of hate this hate that Holly Holm gets. It's like, yes, like you, when you lose the best, but she'd be a lot of the best too. But nah, I just, I'm in a way that it, but you know, but Holly's not that person to go out. She doesn't need to yeah. defend her own name. She knows, she knows no. who she is. I think that's kind of it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, three of those women, J.O., are in the top four all-time fighters. Yeah. One of them is also a Hall of Famer. And then GDR is just a sort of a weird space of being a very good combat sports athlete that also fought in MMA. She's not very overrated, Mr. J.O. Uh, GDR, who also submitted the current Bantamweight champion. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's true. Uh, and, like, if Holly Holm wins this weekend, I will pick her to beat Juliana Pena. Like, I, I my questions about her are entirely age and injury-related. Yeah. So if they fight, I feel very confident that Holly will beat Juliana Pena if those two hmm. things aren't aren't at issue currently with her. Yeah, it's it's just the age thing, and it's not. And Holly has it's lots of tread on the tire too. It's not she's not a young yeah. forty. She's a lot of big boxing she, matches, a lot of lot of everything. Forty some odd boxing matches and yeah. stuff like it's just. She's been competing professionally as a combat sports athlete yeah. for like twenty some odd years. That's yeah, hard. Yeah. It's Holly. But she looked phenomenal against Aldana. So yeah, she could bring some of that tomorrow. Then. Yeah, she becomes a very well, interesting player. One thing we didn't talk about, um, I'm kind of curious. What do you guys think about the fact that it's in this small apex cage? Is that advantageous for either one of the fighters? I feel personally it's it's advantageous it for Vieira. You know, it matters. I think it would, but I think Holly Holm's footwork is so much better than Vieira's that it doesn't matter. Like normally, yes, the smaller cage would let Vieira cut angles a little better. I don't think she's going to be able to. Like yeah, I think Holly, I think she's not that quick footed. Holly's pretty fast on her feet and has mm-hmm. solid footwork. I just it it's better than the big cage because then she will have zero chance of catching her. Mm-hmm. But I just don't think it's really gonna. I think Vieira's offense is going to either come from clinches and takedowns or countering when Holly comes in on her. Yeah, probably. Agreed. Uh, talk about the co-main event a bit. Joseph Boza. Santiago is defending his number 14 spot against Pajeda. I could see Pajeda taking it with a win. That'd be five in a row welterweight. Joseph Boza confident in the Pajeda pick. Uh, he has not Pajeda ranked pick. the M- he has not ranked the MMA fighting global rankings Joseph Boza. I don't know what you're talking about. So <laughs> Touche. Get it together. Uh, I mean they are the only rankings that matter. I don't know if you yeah, guys knew that. I don't know I don't know where this number 14 is coming from. I'll be honest. Yeah. I've never it's a very strange number. But if he does beat Ponzinibbio, um, I he'll Pei will probably break into my fifteen. I don't know if that's good enough to knock out. I don't know if that's good enough to knock out luminaries like 
Jorge Masvidal, who is still hanging in our top 15 <laughs> for some reason. Oh no, you're gonna uh, no, you're gonna love it when I have both MVP and Sterling uh, and Storley, excuse me, in my rankings next month. I know a lot of you guys are dropping MVP, not this guy. I got MVP and Storley I, both taking up spots. Top 15. You're killing me. You're killing me. Let's get to the question. No, hey, I, hey, wait, th- wait. Did Lorenz Larkin did he fight at 85 or, or 70? His last fight. 85. Okay. It was 85? He's going back Larkin. to 70, though. He said. Okay, but, but he uh, fight at 70, so I can't. I can't bring it back yet. Scott McCrade, uh, thoughts on Elise Reed's potential? CFFC fighters faring well in the UFC at the moment. Now, Elise Reed uh, coming off her first UFC win against Corey McKenna at UFC London. She got. Finished pretty quickly by Sajara Eubanks in her debut, but that was also weight up a weight class at 125 mm-hmm. on less than a week's notice. She fights Sam Hughes, and Sam Hughes, pretty tough debut against Tisha Torres. Again, one of those situations where she took the fight on super short notice. She's had some tough runs, but she got a win in her last fight. So big fight for Sam Hughes, big fight for Elise Reed. I actually think this is going to be a fun one. I think it's going to be a fun little scrap. It's kind of early at least in my eyes, to talk potential. She goes on beat Sam Hughes. I still have a whole bunch more questions, but where, what do you think her potential is, AK? Do you think uh, very high ceiling, or what do you think? Or do you think it's too I, early so to even answer that question? Way too early to tell, but I hate that Sajara Eubanks fight happened. I understand fighters have to have that, um, and I guess their managers have to have the mentality of, listen, when the UFC comes calling... You don't say no, and you do them a favor, and it's, it's gonna, you know, it's, it's gonna work out even better for you. You know, the, 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 you, you establish yourself as a company person right away. I understand. So I understand why she took it. Man, when I hated that matchup though, when it was announced, because I mean, I think she was handling her career the right way. You know, she won a title for CFFC. Um, she could have defended that a couple of times. I get it though. The temptation of fighting the UFC, the potential for the UFC paycheck. The prestige, it's it is it is ingrained in fighters. You know, you you just can't say no to it, even when it's like you're facing a very tough veteran, Sajar Eubanks, a very big and she, who's a very big flyweight. And she's a big flyweight, by the way. Yeah. Facing a, it looked I remember when they stepped in the case together, it looked ridiculous. Did Eubanks actually make weight for flyweight that fight? Too? She did she did, yeah. She, she did. didn't make weight. But she's back at 35 now, right? Eubanks. Uh, I think she's sticking around at 25 again. Okay. I think she's still yeah, she's still gunning out down there. Um and I hate fights like that to happen because not just because like oh it'd be nice if it at least Reed was you know six and zero or seven and zero instead. I mean that does look good, but also man when you take a it was a tough, rough fight. Like I mean she took what you would expect. She took a pretty good beating from a much larger fighter, and that's the sort of thing. Like I think it's it's it makes a person step back. Um, some fighters can get stronger off of it. I think that's going to really hurts you early on. So I'm glad she's getting a chance to stick at one fifty now. I think Sam Hughes is the right matchup. Good fight for both women. Um, but yeah, it is hard to gauge her potential. I just wish she hadn't taken that fight and had a more logical entry into the UFC. But that's that's the business, right? Yep. Right. I actually thought she lost her CFFC title fight. I thought Jazz and Jazz have easiest beat her. So, right. but she's still good. She's still good and very tough, and she's still pretty new and pretty green to the sport. Uh, she's got that soldier mentality. She's she's gonna do okay. Right. Uh, let's talk about some more prelims that we haven't mentioned too much. Oh, Chase Hooper versus Felipe Cajares. No, it has not been covered, but Jed dropped a fun little statistic on the betting perspective on Eric Anders earlier. Another interesting betting statistic on Chase Hooper heading into this fight with Felipe Cajares. Jed Mishu, why don't you share that for the people who uh, may have missed uh, No Bets Barred? Is this where he's, this is his first time being an underdog? Is that right? Yep. 
I'm trying to remember things. This has been a long week. Um, yeah, this is first time being an underdog. I have two bets on. I have bet against him and on him because I'm a degenerate and make bad choices. Um, <laughs> I I think Felipe Claris should win this fight because Chase Hooper is not very good at fighting. Um, and that's really the extent of it. Like he's he might get good, but he's 21 years old and he's still developing a lot and he hasn't he has shown to be a good grappler but he has not shown to be good at fist fights um and sometimes those overlap and he can get wins but like he just doesn't have a he doesn't have a cohesive game like the parts of his game such that there are parts to it and not just he can do leg locks don't fit together in any meaningful way he doesn't have any stitching to make it work to say okay well if i'm here here's what i'm going to do to make this transition here it's I can do leg locks if I can find a way to get one cool, but I don't really have a consistent way to make that happen um, against a guy who's a solid athlete and not like the best fighter in the world, Chorus, but he's more physically, like he's a more, more of a physical force and not a bad fighter. That should be enough to beat a guy who's still figuring out what his game is. That being said, the line moved a lot and for the life of me, I cannot understand it. Let's see if that's still the case because Hooper's an underdog, but for some reason, um, Hooper by submission is plus 500 as opposed to the plus like 300 that it is for him by decision. That makes no sense to me because if he wins this fight, it's because he leg locked him. I don't think he's going to like hold him down and succeed for two out of three rounds. So I also have an action on Hooper by submission. So either outcome, I'm I'm comfortable with what happens in this fight. I like the the mentality here. I like it a lot. And Chase Hooper, as good as a grappler as he is, he's not a great like wrestler. He's not a guy he's, that's just going to hoist you up wrestler. in the air. He's no Jared Brooks. Yeah, he's no, he's, he's and, more Carlos, Carlos Condit than Jared Brooks. Is is Felipe Calaris like not an amazing grappler? Am I mistaken? Like I was, I have, I, I should scout them a little bit more. But I, from what I remember, what isn't Felipe Calaris like a very, very good grappler? Yeah, he's like a good he's grappler. A, he's a BJJ like, and a and a judo guy, yeah. right? That, yeah, that that's why I think he's going to win the fight. But like, yeah, good grapplers, good grapplers. I mean, well, sh- hell, uh, dude got tapped today. Um, in one, Gary, Gary, in one. Gary Tonin got darsed today in one. Like, good grapplers get caught frequently. And I mean, but those Chase Rotolo Hooper kids. Does, but I mean, that Rotolo yes. kids are on a different level than a Chase Hooper. I mean, sure, but also he's not. Kolaris is not Gary Tonin, so it's levels. But, like, leg lock guys are weird. Like, there's there's very much a world where a sub here happens. I don't think there's a world where Hooper knocks him out or outpoints him because I just don't think Chase Hooper's good. He was exciting. It was fun to have a 19-year-old kid. This is a fun thing. But, like, he needs to develop a lot. And maybe he has because he's also 21. He might be way better since the last time we saw him. But Sure. Based on everything you've yeah, seen, I just don't how, think he's. How good. does someone like Hooper develop, though, in the UFC? Is this? Just I was gonna say, <laughs> oh, say, not, not he in, the UFC, yeah. in the UFC. Okay, <laughs> yeah. okay, that's what I'm he, that's he developmental. He has developed like two more years. Yeah. his development Mike, I, has to happen in the gym to like just be a better fighter, yeah, and then hopefully it. he can get wins or not suffer devastating losses in the UFC. But he is not going to be building himself up with UFC fights, it'll be everything that happens outside of the actual fighting. Is this the yeah, proper but, fight to make for them for, for each fighter? No, no, I don't think so at all. Mike, you and I have said many times, like we almost wish that he'd gotten not, if not released, like, um, 
like you said, work out some sort of developmental thing where maybe they resign him, but to a different kind of contract. And so you're still paying him good money, but to fight on, you know, a slightly lower tier of competition. I get it. We're getting a lot of regional, like that line between the regional level and the UFC is blurring. So it's not like this is an insane, like opposite opponent for, uh, for Chase Hooper. Uh, Jed has explained many, uh, like a bunch of reasons why it's like, there's, there's ways for Chase Hooper to win this fight. Um, it just on paper doesn't seem great. I, I but I, I wish he was fighting more of like this is a kid who should be. There's no nice way to put. It. I, he should be crushing cans in the regional scene. I do want to see him like doing getting highlight real subs. I do want to see him facing tough opponents who will push him, but who clearly are not going to beat him. I think the matchmaking for him has been really bad, and this is definitely just going further from where again Mike and I have mentioned on the next one a lot. Like it, it would be so good if he could have just gotten some more time in the regional scene, and it's not too late, but. He's been just successful enough that they keep bringing him back and giving him like tough fighters. So I don't know. I, I think this is really bad for his development. I think this could be another um, Sage Northcut situation. I agree. I think this is bad. I think there is maybe one case where it's not because I think if he loses, this is a fight that gets him cut because Claris is, I mean, he's, he's won a couple in the UFC, but he's lost more than he's won. I feel like if, and this feels like about the bottom tier of what you should hold in. So, I think if he loses, Chase Hooper gets either released outright or they tell him to go back to to develop some. And that is the actual best thing for him is to go to CF, to, to be a CFFC champion or an LFA champion or to do that instead of what he is doing now. I actually don't mind this matchup. I think there's you could have done way worse here because Kalharis doesn't have a striking finish at all in his entire career. He's a very durable guy. That's his best trait is he could take a beating. Go back and watch Felipe Cajares against Montel Jackson. Montel Jackson beat his face in for 15 minutes, and Cajares saw the final bell. The guy is so freaking tough. That Luke Sanders fight was pretty wild too. And then the Chris Gutierrez fight, it goes out of the split decision. Chris Gutierrez clearly won that fight, but... It was a little more competitive than people give it credit for. I think it was more, no disrespect to Felipe Cajares, more Gutierrez having a bad night than Cajares having a better night. But I feel if, if we're worried about Chase maybe being knocked out or at least fighting someone with equal skill sets in terms of finishing, I think this you're not going to be able to do much better than this with what's on the current roster. Cajares is a tough man to put away, very difficult. But I feel like if there's a path to victory here for Chase Hooper, if this gets to the ground, it could get interesting in grappling exchanges, and Chase could find a way to win this fight. So it's not a fight he's going to get hurt. It's not a fight that's going to really stunt his development. It's a fight he's going to take something away from, win or lose. So I don't hate it. You could have done way worse. I hated the Steven Peterson fight. I hated the Alex Caceres fight. This isn't bad. We could do a lot worse. Hmm. All right. Yeah, like, I kind of – Interested in this comparison uh, to Chase being kind of a, a grappling version of Sage Northcutt in a bit. Are, in, are the, in the sense of the way the U.S. I mean, kind yeah. Of, no, there's a lot of overlap. Overlap, yeah. Ex- except for John Jones. Has anyone like 21? And I guess Charles Oliveira in the, in the long run, though that was a very, very long, <laughs> like, long arc, like crazy-ass arc. Has anyone like come in as a 19, 20, 21-year-old, 22-year-old and just like just hit the ground running? Well, there's one – there's one man who is or is a good example, but he took a lot of damage. He ended up taking a lot of damage. I would say my choice for if not my choice for the greatest fighter ever, he's in the top three and it's a slightly different, but the youngest UFC champion of all time, Jose Aldo. Yeah, it's a good pick right there as well. Was he the youngest? 
youngest. He, so he the youngest got WEC w, champion. I mean, yeah, yes. he should have been. That was when that was when Zufa sure. owned them still, and they just sure, didn't. Sure. He he was like three months younger than John Jones got the belt, and he came in at twenty one and beat Alexander Franco Nogueira. Actually, might have been twenty. The, and at that time, Franco Nogueira was insane. What was his record before though? Before the WEC, oh, only ten and one. Okay, only ten and one. Okay, ten, yeah, yeah still, he's still pretty. Yeah, uh, fair enough. I'll yeah, go with, I, I like that. I like he, that. Alexander Franco Guerra at the time was like a monster. Even then, even like that was ten like and one when he came to the WEC. Yeah. Yep. And he was he 20, had that. How he had he? the Azevedo. Uh, hold on, I'll look it up. But I think he was like twenty. That's crazy. but even that's an example of getting to develop under like a less like WC as great as it was was not like this you know super mainstream household thing right even that is like an example of getting to develop competition I mean, against, wise it was though oh insane insanely difficult competition yeah but like it, it's so different from again what's happening with like Stacey Norcut and Chase Hooper where like they get all this publicity and all this fame Paige Van Zandt of course um and uh, all this fame right away Macy in addition Barber. to having Macy the Barber Macy kind of. Barber yeah who's hopefully you know starting to turn things around now but uh, again it's really tough it's really really tough. Um, but yeah, but, but but Jose is a good example though. That is probably the best thing you have. Then Oliver, Charles Oliver, he came into UFC when he was like twenty. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but we're saying Max like that. Holloway, but he was like yeah, Max he Holloway. Was like yeah, but it's, it's but, just interesting how maybe it's maybe it's the interviews or how the UFC promote right. it. But like I don't remember when I don't remember when Max or an Oliver came into the UFC and we were yeah. going or they were on the mic going, "I'm gonna be the youngest champion ever." They just didn't, no. they just didn't exactly say those things, but. Uh, but Chase, but Chase Hooper and Sage Northwick didn't say that. Don't say those things either. It's just maybe the media, the fans, the UFC yeah, puts that pressure media. on him. I don't. I mean, it's Chase, just the media. Chase, not, not the media. Chase doesn't really put and, that and kind of pressure on himself, though. Yeah, I think you it's know just, what I mean. Sage, I felt put a lot of pressure on himself. Mm-hmm. Chase has been like mm-hmm. on the way the UFC presents him. They've actually done it right. They put him in comfortable spots. Yeah. They feature on fight passages, fun little skits that are hilarious. Yes. He's a great personality. He's got a dry sense of humor. Like he's a really good kid really good kid who wants to grow and get better. It's just really hard. It's really hard when you have a teen on your age on a contender, like going go, fighting on the contender series at 18. All he had to do is win. And he was getting something because, Oh my God, it's an 18 year old fist fighter. He's a professional. Like <laughs> who looks most 18 year olds are. Yeah. Who, He's an 18 year old who looks 12. And he had the, like, yeah. the, 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 the curly, the curly thing going on, the they curly hairs. Yeah. So, I mean, th- that's a guaranteed contract. And they gave him the developmental deal, which is smart, but they, I think they just brought him up a little too quick. But we'll see what happens. Maybe yeah, he goes right. out and gets a big win and shuts everybody up. But that's we'll a scary part. If he, does, if, he does get the, if he does get the big win, then, yeah. then, the, then he'll he just get... stays in the thing. Yeah. Then he just, fights Yair Rodriguez. Though. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Now you're talking. <laughs> uh, what is this poll? I, haven't, I don't see the poll. What is it? It's in the YouTube. It's uh, should Holly Holm get another teleshop with an impressive win? UFC Vegas fifty five sixty eight percent now. Yes, I'll clo- I'll close it soon because I think we're we're about to see where it's why the hell are you sending her to Bellator? What, what, what is uh, why is this again? Happening? People like I said, people really there's hate no division. Holly. There's no women's bantamweight division. Well, in I, I think listen, people are just listen, still listen. mad she kicked Ronda in the face. <laughs> listen, no, it's not just that. It's not just that. Listen, uh, it, I was going to say this for Chase Super as well, but familiarity. Breeds contempt, especially in MMA. When 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 people see you a lot and you're not winning every fight or you're not uh, cutting fire promos every time, they just start to hate you. Like they just like I don't know what it is. It's like they they want you to be more or they want you to be something you're not, which is which is not what Holly Holm is or like how she's ever presented herself. She's always been super humble. She's she's you know says like 
she's not the most exciting interview. I admit it. I, I get it. She, she's not the super compelling interview. That's another reason people don't like her. But yes, when you see someone in these high profile situations over and over and over again, sometimes the fights just aren't entertaining. Let's be honest. She's been a share of stinkers, um, including title fights. Uh, Jen, you mentioned the GDR fight, just a very strange uh, title <laughs> fight. Not particularly enjoyable to watch. Um, people are going to find reasons not to like you, but it, it, it does surprise me like how much like, they disliked it. It's one thing to like not care about someone and like kind of want to see them not watch them, but to like actively dislike them is just strange to me. I just I don't understand. I don't understand that. Uh, I don't I don't carry that energy in my life. But you know I I'm just saying, I know I, I understand kind of where it's coming from. Yeah, it's I, weird. Like Holly's just one of the nicest people, and just you go, I don't person. like. Her. Yeah, sorry. She's a great person. Yeah. Off the, but off the top of your head, how many of her fights would you care to go rewatch? I. Oh, Ronda, Aldana. Over, under, two and a half. Betch Kohea. Betch Kohea. for sure. Yeah, the Misha fight. That's three. I mean, yeah, yeah the Misha, Misha fight four. is great. Yeah, um, it's a tremendous. Well, it was one of the best title fights. One of the if best you title her, fights ever. If you count her losses, I'll go watch Amanda Nunes brick her up. Like, that was awesome. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, like, that's... I think that's against the spirit of it. She's been fighting... Like, I get not enjoying her as a fighter because yeah. there's a lot to not enjoy. But the, like... The contempt is very weird. It is weird because he, Pennington go, go, fight's really bad. That's a really bad fight. The second Pennington fight's really terrible. They both are bad. Mm-hmm. But Most yeah, but you can't just blame you can't just blame good. Holly. For, you can't just blame Holly for that either. Ever Cal Pennington's been in her share of, of bad but, fights, right? But it's interesting too. We talk about bad fights. Look at Amanda Nunes. There's a lot of bad fights with Amanda Nunes too. The GDR fight was horrible. Bad, yeah, real bad. The, the Felicia Spencer fight was pretty horrible. The second yeah. Shevchenko fight. Are, the second Shevchenko fight is so bad. Like people, I know people talk about it as a robbery for Shevchenko. Whatever. That's a, that's a whole other argument was, altogether. What's like, inarguable? That fight, that fight sucks. Yeah, the fight just <laughs> that didn't, fight sucks. But yeah, they just didn't mess right. Yeah, it, it's, it's bad. Just, it's really it's bad. just she weird. How, yeah, I don't understand that. Uh, yeah, Holly just gets a weird hate. It's, it's odd. It's odd. Well, it's odd. Maybe we'll have a great moment to discuss yeah. tomorrow on the post-fight be show. Kinder. Uh, so be kinder, everyone. Yeah. Be kinder. Be kind. Yeah. Be, kind. be kinder. You Please. like MMA Michael Chandler. You like, you like the fighters. Don't be kind to Michael Chandler because he still sucks. <laughs> and, and, hey, listen. You get to – listen. Just think of what is ahead of us less than three hours from right now as we're live. We get to hear the great Triple C, Henry Cejudo. Oh, we didn't even talk about UFC. Pronounce Habib Nurmagomedov's name. At least a dozen different times, and I what can't happened? wait for it. Eagle FC forty-seven, baby. What happens I, if Jorgen DeCastro wins? <laughs> He's fighting Fedor. He's fighting Fedor, baby. Co-promotion. <laughs> that I mean, listen. There's what's the betting odds on that fight, Jed? Do you know? I have no idea, but I can pull them. Give me a sec, because I'm right here. Should we guess? Uh, Should we guess? Sure. Take take it's gotta a guess. Be, You're not gonna get it. Yes, JDS minus two fifty. Minus 400. I'm going higher. Minus 275. No, minus 400 was correct. On the money. Wow. Wow. Way to go, AK. DeCastro's a live dog. you should be our, our gambling guy. Don't gamble on MMA. <laughs> there we go. Don't gamble right, on bad heavyweight here. MMA. That is the rule. <laughs> <laughs> we're out of here, everybody. Unless it's uh, Parker Porter. God bless him. Yes, Parker Porter. He's yes, a live dog. All right, we're out of here. We'll see you at 3.30 Eastern tomorrow for the People's Free Fight Show. For AK, for Jed, for Casey, I am Mike Heck. Good night, everybody. Love Happy you birthday, Guillerme. Happy birthday, Guy. And AK. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. 
The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. <laughs> 